It can't be that bad, oh, 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 it can't be that bad. Um, hey, Christian. Hey, Alondra. I want uh-huh. to show you a magic trick. That's very scary. And last time you said that, you showed me your penis. <laughs> well, okay, then I have a different magic trick to show you. I really hope it's different this time. It's going to be, we'll do it for the camera and people will be able to see. Um God, I hope I can do this. Are you doing this to flex your magic tricks right now? Yeah, I am. So it's not even to just please me, it's to please the baddies. It's, everything's to please the baddies, dude. Oh, uh, you're, you know you're, I mean? you're a baddie pleaser. I, I am, I am. So I got a post-it note here. I'm just folding it up. I'm going to have you, Christian, write a name. Okay. Any name. Okay. Uh, on here. And then when you're done, show it to the camera. Oh, oh you got a pen there. Perfect. Uh, show it to the camera and then fold it back up and then hand it to me once you have it folded up. Um, I don't want to look... And you can, like I said, show it to the camera so they can see it. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm not looking. I'm turning around now. Turn around, turn around. And, like, think, you know. I'm gonna, the only, I'll explain. I, you know, just... I made it very specific. Okay. You wrote it down and you showed it to the camera. Okay. Now fold it back up. Mm. It's blurry. It's blurry in front of the camera. Oh, shit. I almost saw it. Damn it. I didn't, though. I didn't see it. I swear. Okay, fold it up. Ow! I hit my elbow. Fuck! Ah! So you get from not following directions. Fold it up. Wait up. Let me fold it up. Okay. All right. I don't know if they'll be able to see it. It was, it was blurring, blurry in the camera. But you know what it is. I know exactly what it okay. is. Okay. So the only reason why I had you write it down is because I want you to focus on this name and I need you to anchor your thought just onto that name. Okay. okay. And so it actually doesn't matter. I actually don't really need this. It's just, you know, for, it's not exercise for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm tearing this all up. Uh, I need you to focus on the name, though. So if you can, I've been focusing. Okay, but I need you to really think about it. If you could hold your hand out, please, like this. Um, well, close it up a little bit, but a, l- a little bit higher. That'll be fine. Um, well, you know, that's a little high. We'll How am I bit. doing this wrong? Well, um, it's it's here. Fine, take it. Whatever. Okay, okay, okay. So focus on the name, please. Okay. Do I know this person? No. Fuck. That's my, this makes it harder. Um, <laughs> oh, really? It does. I'm gonna focus. Okay. You realize we're keeping this in if you get it wrong. Yeah, I'm going to get it right. All right. First letter, J. Okay. Yeah? Yes, yes. Josh. Joshua? There you go. But... but there's more to it. There's more to it. <sighs> I never get last names. You put the last name on there, I did too? not put the last name. Initial? I made a little more specific. I'm not going to give you any more hints. I, I, I'm just getting Josh because now you're, you're th- your thoughts aren't anchored anymore. Okay. What uh, was it? Do you give up? Yeah. Joshua the second. Joshua the second. Who's Joshua the second? I don't know. I just wanted to make <laughs> it a little more specific. That's it's not because I know that you're a I good enough you, magician. I needed you to pick a real name. It's no a wonder real? I didn't get the second because that's not a real part of someone's name. It was it was the Roman numeral too. There you go, baddies. I'm magical. Hey, I still think you're good, dude. Thanks, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, welcome to another episode of ICBTB Podcast. My name is Alejandro. My name is Christian. And this is the place where even the worst movies can still be good. Uh, we watched a great movie today. F- absolutely fantastic. Flew super under the radar. Yeah, and it came out of nowhere, really. It came out of England. It That is somewhere. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily nowhere, but you know. A place. It, it landed on our laps. Yeah. Um, and you like could a hot sh- turd. Like a... Hot turds should not be landing on your lap, dude. Oh. That's how you contract disease. You've been hanging out uh, with a lot of homeless people lately? Because no. those are the only lap shitters that I know. Mm. Well, I have a group of friends I can introduce you to. Uh, we watched a movie called Terminal. Terminal. Not the Tom Hanks movie. Not to be confused with that movie. That movie is called The Terminal. But this is just Terminal. Terminal. Um, because in this movie, it stars Margot Robbie, and she is not eating... Uh, sky flakes or uh, what do you call those crackers? Saltine crackers with packets of ketchup because that's what Tom Hanks was doing in that was actually really the terminal. Gross. Um, terminal, I think, has a double entendre kind of meaning because we think that it has to do with Simon Pegg's uh, fatal disease that he has in this movie, mm-hmm. but it also has to do with the area that this whole movie takes place in, the terminal of a train station. Nice observation because I did not think about that at all. I was literally just thinking of the literal terminal yeah. in the movie. No, no, no. I, I you know... Uh, Right you can think. Yeah, I do. Sometimes. You got a brain. The movie Terminal, it's not rated, um, which is an interesting thing that was. And out there. don't get too excited. Just because Margot Robbie's in it and yeah. it's not rated does not necessarily mean you're going to be seeing a lot of tits and ass. 
Uh, it's actually a very classy film. I think it's incredibly classy. Uh, it's, it was released in 2018. Uh, it has a runtime of one hour, 36 minutes, or 96 minutes for Melissa. Uh, it has a rating of 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb, a 20% flat on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, and a 27% on Metacritic. Uh, Christian. Yes. Christian. Yes. Would you like to guess the percentage of Google use ads? I would love to, and I'm going to guess it right, dude. Look me in the eyes right now. If I get this wrong, me? do you want me to anchor my thought? Yes, okay. anchor your thought. Got think it. about the number. I'm of course, you can think about the number because you saw it. Mm-hmm. You saw I'm it. I'm screaming it. It's eighty-seven percent. No, I should have maybe written it down. It's seventy-five. Seventy-five percent. Fuck, dude. Um, I'm a firm believer. If you do something confidently enough, it'll come true. Well, you'll at least probably get away with it. Yeah. In the dark heart of a sprawling and anonymous city, two assassins carry out a sinister mission, and a teacher battles a fatal illness. Well, an enigmatic janitor and a curious waitress lead a dangerous double life, you know. Murderous consequences unravel in the dead of night as their lives all intertwine at the hands of a mysterious criminal mastermind who is hell-bent on revenge. <laughs> Minus the laugh, I think that was one of your better synapses. Yeah, dude. you hate my laugh. You really did put your own twang on there. Minus the laugh. Um, you I kind didn't of, add anything to it. I read it right off of Google. That was crazy. There, you added beats into well, a know, synopsis, com- commas dude. And senten- commas wow. and periods. Well, that's what that's what makes an actor a good actor. An actor. Stop. Okay. <laughs> I'm giving you. I should stop blowing up your ego because you start just yelling into the mic and it, it, it startles people. Um, I'm so sorry. Would you like to know how much this movie gained in the box office? I don't know the budget, uh, but it had like <laughs> literally. 10 producers, so it probably had a pretty good budget. Um, okay. Would you like to guess the box office recoup? Um, Actually, box I'm office sure recoup. Yeah, hang on. Okay, hanging on. Two seconds. What are you looking for? Uh, the budget. I, I cannot find the budget. Anyways, the box office. Oh, box office was mm, didn't do gross. too well. $42 million. Wow, you thought it did really well. $843,000. Oh, that's it? Yeah, very limited release. It did- only had one theater do its release in England, uh, and then I didn't see it in theaters here. I think that's... What the fuck? I'm yeah. really stumped on that. I think it, when it was released in America, it was released straight to, to Hulu. Because remember when we did um, The Fanatic? The Fanatic was the only other film that we've reviewed where it didn't even $1, hit a million dollars. Yeah, it made a few pesos, I heard. But this <laughs> movie with fucking Margot Robbie, Simon Pegg. I don't think they... and. Well, let's get through the cast list real quick since, yeah. so you guys can tell. Um, this movie is starring, of course, Margot Robbie. She is not just starring in it. Uh, she is uh, the lead producer, the executive producer. Uh, this movie also has Simon Pegg, Mike Myers, a gentleman by the name of Max Irons. You might know his father, Jeremy Irons. Oh. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Dexter Fletcher. And then my favorite little cameo in this film. Who? Matthew Lewis. Also known as Neville Longbottom, and in this he's playing a very timid mugger. He plays like a yeah. He's trying to like rob uh, Simon Pegg, and he pulls out a knife, and he's like, "Oh man, can you just like kill me?" And then his partner comes out with the gun. He's like, "Oh, how about this? Instead, I'll buy that gun from you." And he's like, "Is it loaded?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's loaded." And he's like, "It's Is not it loaded." loaded. <laughs> oh, really good banter right there in that scene. I would have if if I was getting mugged in that scenario, and mm-hmm. I turned around and saw that gun. My my first quip would have been. Am I getting, is this, am I an old West cowboy? Like, what are you robbing me with here? Are, fucking. Are you punking me right now? Yeah. It is looks this like a fucking toy? He literally pulled out a cowboy gun. That's what That's it looked like to me. That's all it was. Yeah. That was probably their first time mugging and they probably haven't done it successfully ever. Well, I couldn't tell. It might've actually been their second time mugging because we do see them later on in the film try and mug. Um, oh, the name, His name is Vincent. His name is Vincent. Yes. Uh, and who was so, one of the hitmen. But I, and I couldn't tell if that was before or after. This movie jumps back and forth so much. It is very confusing. It's not chronological at all. But. It all makes sense in the end. Uh, this movie is so beautifully shot. Why don't we just it jump into it? It is fairly chronological now that I think about it. It's just not told... It, because a lot of stuff is happening in two different places at once, Yes, they jump back and forth. But it is all chronological, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a way. In a way. There there are flashbacks and the jump twos all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. We were talking uh, prior to recording this episode that um, there is not only an A line, there's a uh, B line, there's uh, a C line. Okay, well, but, but we don't even really know. So the movie starts off and we think it's going... In this direction with Simon Pegg, and it's about Simon Pegg and Margot Robbie. I thought the whole thing was going to be 
about the the B story, which was about the, the these two assassins who were working together. Yeah, I thought the storyline, the way it intertwined, was the guy they were looking for was Simon Pegg, and she was holding them, holding him there yes. for them to get to the diner to kill him. Yeah. We find out that that's not the story at all. In fact, what the story is uh, is Simon Pegg's A story with Margot Robbie is actually the B story because the A story is those two guys who are like feuding and and there's a double crossing yeah, action. Yeah, two hitmen. So they're fighting each other, and Margot Robbie's also involved in that story. Mm-hmm. This is going to be very difficult to well, talk about. Well, first of all, it's, yeah, there's a shit ton of MacGuffins throughout this entire movie up until the very end. Then the MacGuffins are revealed. Yeah, um, oh, that's true. A lot of times you don't get to yeah. see it. Um, I'm pretty sure what you really liked about this film is the very noir-esque feel it had to it. I, every camera shot, every frame has five different colors. Did you notice that? Beautiful, every, it was dude. Like, it was a beautiful film noir splashed with vibrant colors the color scheme of this entire movie is neon it, yes it's, it even the beginning like right after it shows margot robbie and uh, she's in the confession mm-hmm. booth and she's saying i could uh take out all the competitors for your line of work yeah he's so asking just she's me. asking for business from this unnamed voice yes who we learn is mr franklin yeah and mr franklin just has a manipulate uh, a manipulative no, what do you call I it? I think he has more... A I'm distorted sorry. voice. That's yes, what he does. Is. He does. And I was going to say, he has a monopoly on the underground crime. Mm-hmm. So he hires hitmen from what we understand, and his trait is that he uses a black briefcase. Yeah. And everyone wants to work for Mr. Franklin. So when we meet up with the two hitmen, uh, Alfred and Vincent, yes, they are holed up in this apartment that we find out they're in this apartment because they're on a job where they're watching the apartment across the street. And when they get the call, they're going to do it the murder because the person's going to be there. Yes. And they and that's how they're going to get paid. Yeah. But even then, that's already hard to pick up. Like this movie, the way you, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it because the way it's kind of written is very mysterious. You don't know who these people are, why they're here, where this place even fucking is, which yeah. we'll get into. Well, we can just do it now. You know, they make a point almost to make sure that you don't know where this movie takes place. It's in a yeah. very ambiguous area. It was filmed in Budapest. Just doesn't make a difference. Um, but uh, it. one of the things that I want to talk about was how much I loved the look of this world. Oh they really gosh. set up an idea of, without telling us anything about the world, they set it up almost perfectly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a gritty, dark place. Um, one a dystopia. Of, a dystopia of some sort. It is a fictitious area full it's, of grimy, dark alleyways. And it's a weird dystopia where there's still... It's like technology, and there's still like the train station and the cafe and things like that. Those um, are still running, yeah. And well, and there's no like trash, there's no bums or anything like that. So it's weird. Like maybe it is a utopia, but this is on the bottom level. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe up in the clouds and up in those high buildings that we see in the background, everybody's living these lavish lifestyles. But down here, this yes. is where assassins and and the dirty people. The and director the does of the world not live. let us see anything outside of this dark, grimy bubble. Uh, really, uh, and a lot of times we see like the hotel and stuff that they stay in. It's shot from a point of view of the ground. You're looking yes. up at the neon lights. You're looking up at the hotels and the buildings. I love how abstract the camera angles were in this. So many how abstract times the movie was the entire movie. So many times I've seen camera angles where they, it was shot at a diagonal, where it was not level with or parallel with the ground mm-hmm. at all. I believe that's called a Dutch angle. Of hey man, for you Dutch angles out there, Dutch anglers, good fucking job. Very like lock, stock, and barrel. Very Guy Ritchie. That's a very yeah. Um, that's a good way to put European it. European style of filming. I think that's a good way to yeah. show something's not quite right. Something's off. Yes. And uh, to top it off with that, they the director never lets us see the light of day. Literally, yeah. it all takes all place night. during night. They really wanted us to make... I, I felt claustrophobic, angsty, uh, anxious, uh, just dirty watching this yeah. movie, but I could not get enough of it. I felt safe in the cafe. When they had the scenes that were in the yes. diner, I felt like that was home. It was and like everywhere a safe house. Else, I was like, I got to get back to the cafe. When they're in the strip club, I was like, I gotta, we got to get back to the diner. The safest I've ever felt was uh, the scene where Simon Pegg and Margot Robbie... We're having dialogue. You can tell there's those shots. Those were the brightest the shots ever were, mm-hmm. even though there are multiple the scenes. Yeah, in the beginning, even though there are multiple scenes that took place uh, in the same diner yeah. uh, between Margot Robbie and Simon Pegg. It was uh, it like, was noticeably brighter. Yeah. And that's all that was about it, because you almost you get to that scene first before you revisit that diner again. Yeah. And then every time you visit the diner, it doesn't look like it the way it looks when no. they're in there. No, it's different. One of the things that they talk about in that diner is 
Simon Pegg reveals to Margot Robbie that he has a terminal illness. Yeah. He doesn't know what it is. They tell him it's not cancer, but the doctor who told him it was cancer was smoking cigarette as he's yes. giving him the death. Oh so, my gosh. And even Margot Robbie's like, it's probably cancer. And he's like, no, they, they, they said it's not cancer. And it's like, it's probably cancer. And there's like a cut to with his talk with the doctor uh-huh. who seemed to, seems to not even care that he is dying oh, no. from some terminal illness. And he's like, is it going to be painful? And he goes, oh no, no, no. He's yeah. like, how can you be sure? And he goes, Even painkillers. The doctor offers him a cigarette and he's like, no, I'm okay. <laughs> uh, one of my funny, one of the funny things that I liked in this film is Simon Pegg has a chronic cough. Yes. And the only way to stop coughing is for him to smoke cigarettes, which I think is a crazy, silly kind of trope. I think it's silly. I don't know if it, if it's like this for you, but ever since this whole uh, chaotic uh, corona thing going mm-hmm. on in the world now when i see people out and about in movies that i've been watching since we've been quarantined yeah. up i'm like whoa that's so weird to look see people out and about. the street look at those two people hugging wow <laughs> don't they know yeah one of the things before we move on is um in that diner scene they're having this discussion and a couple of times they make efforts to kind of explain what time period and era or area that they're in and so a couple of things that stand out to me was one you only see three cars in this whole movie and they're mm. Soviet era vehicles. So it's hinting to the fact that this is maybe during the Cold War in Soviet Russia. Um, another point they, they say he, when he offers to buy the gun, he offers him a crisp five, uh, five quid, mm-hmm. which is English slang for like buck dollar. And he has an old note. I think online I saw that that note was specifically used from like mid 80s to 91. So that's kind of prefacing it in that time period. And then on top nice. of it, at one point, Margot Robbie offers Simon Pegg a drink. And she pulled out a bottle of gin. And as soon as she pulled out this bottle of gin, I was, I wish I was with people who know movies like me because I wanted to talk about it immediately there. Uh She pulls out a bottle of Victory Gin. Please expand on that. Victory Gin is the type of liquor or the booze that they drink in 1984. Wow. So in 1984, they're they're rationed like one bottle of booze a month and they have to like save. And in the book, it's a big deal. They make a point to talk about how, how, Often people will save this for, for really special occasions because you're not allowed to get drunk. Mm-hmm. And you're not allowed to drink in 1984, but they do give you this vodka or this gin to kind of because they understand that people, you know, that's part it's of the hard freedom. Times. That's part of the freedom in 1984. No, yes. no, it's not hard times in 1984. Life is perfect in 1984. Yeah, I get, man, it's been a while since I've read the, Please but it's expand not. on it. Well, it's just, it's just that little Easter egg. I could talk about 1984. It's one of my favorite books. It's so deep. And, but the fact that they, they have that brief little touch. You know, where she pulls out this bottle of Victory Gin, yes. and it's like, so I think that they're in this uh, kind of semi-1984, if and it you was can 1990 it. in the 1984 world, you know what I mean? Yeah. A couple years later, yeah. I, I think it's a very interesting- I can believe that. The way this movie was shot, like how 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 gritty it was, it seems like it could be in that same reality yeah, a that a V for Vendetta kind of era. Absolutely. Um, a, a dystopian uh, area. Yeah, the, or, or I think, I think that- the shadows of a utopia. I like that a lot. It's, Thank you. Uh, this this movie was very good with some, with a big ass Easter egg like that. I don't know if it was intentional. I, it, it had to have been. It had to have been. There's, but that's yeah. how subtle it was. Yeah. That's how, and it's a big subtle reference to one of the greatest uh, pieces of literature yeah. that has ever come out. Nineteen eighty four. The movie that, or, I'm sorry, the book that I think really launched the idea of dystopian future. When 1984 came out, I think the whole world wasn't even ready. I mean, when it was published, the idea was 1984 is so long away. Like, that's yes. never going to happen. Yeah. And, and that was now 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, like this when this book came out, it was blowing the shit out of people's butts because yes. it was the future. It was a sci-fi dystopian future. It was, That book was more horrific than actual horror films or For sure. uh, horror pieces of yeah, literature. Because it could have been real. Definitely. It's... Uh, to see something, to read something like that and actually apply it to your real life and kind of anticipate the direction of society as mm-hmm. it is, it's scary. And, you know, there are times we see it every day in the fucking news. Like, wow, it's uh, politics destroys us. Like, yeah. it's Big Brother and like government is taking over. Like, well, I'll, last thing I want to say about 1984 yes. is Orwell warned us about Big Brother and having microphones in our homes and things like this. And the one thing he got wrong about it was that he thought the government was going to be spying on us. And the truth of the matter is, is it's the... Uh, it's Corporations? The corporations and the bourgeoisie that are looking down at the proletariat trying yeah. to figure out... But for the most part, he was, he was right spot on, on right dude. Right on. Um, to yeah. kind of bring it back to the movie, did you ever see the movie Atomic Blonde? No. Uh, is that Charlize Theron? Charlize Theron and uh, James McAvoy. Mm-hmm. Same kind of idea. Semi-Cold War, assassin, hitman. There's is, I think, the daytime version... Of this movie. Nice. Yeah. 
Okay, I, I, I'll have to check that out. It is. Um, she's the protagonist, yes. Charlize Theron. Very similar to Margot Robbie. Let's let's get in the movie. Is there a point that you want to... Because there is something that I could talk about, but yeah, I need a little bit of water. There, so. There's a lot that I want to <laughs> fucking talk about. So um, we've already touched on the dialogue between Simon Pegg and Margot Robbie. That personally was probably my favorite part uh, of the movie because their dialogue was very witty. It was banter back and forth. Uh, some some heavy hitting lines of poeticism in, in the way that they speak. Well, yeah, they quote a lot of... well. Margot Robbie thinks she's quoting scripture, and she's actually quoting graffiti from across the street. Yes. And then we find out that Simon Pegg is an English teacher, so he's yes. constantly correcting her English. And even the way that you find out Simon Pegg is an English teacher, it's so subtle it's and smooth. It's a quick back and forth. Like, yeah. Uh, the exposition for, for this film, it's very European in the sense that it takes its time. Yeah. Scenes and shots in America, everything, every shot cuts every three seconds because Americans are stupid and we can't keep our attention long enough. Mm -hmm. But European films take their time and sit in shots and sit in moments and sit in these emotions. Um, So when, when they having this conversation in the diner, you know, you learn so much from their exposition. So much. Just even in the way they speak, all their small nuances. Yeah. Like what type of person Simon Pegg is by he he's dying and so he says, Oh, I have a cough. Do you mind if I smoke in here? It gets rid of my cough. Even prior to him arriving to the diner, he's getting mugged uh, by mm-hmm. those two by individuals. And he doesn't give a shit. An English teacher in the real world would give a big shit if he was getting mugged. Well, they get into that because in the beginning they give this idea that he's not afraid to die and he's yeah. just waiting for his time to happen. But then when he is given the opportunity to take his own life because apparently he does not care, he chickens out. Yes. And I think what was, you know, spoiler alert, um, I think what's really interesting about this film is how they kind of play that moment where you think they're almost, you think the storyline for Simon Pegg is a redemption storyline where Margot Robbie is there to save this um, sad, depressed man, leaving Las Vegas style, where he's going to do yeah. this last big blowout and then he's going to kill himself and then that's going to be it. And she kind of like saves him, pulls him back from the yeah. edge, literally, literally pulls him. You know, metaphorically, but also literally pulls him away from the yeah, edge later on in the film. To, to save his life, to kind of show him like, no, you don't actually want to die. And yeah. he's like, you know what? You're right. I don't actually want to die. Can I reveal? Yeah. Okay. Spoiler okay. alert. Folks, if you haven't seen this film, first of all, watch this fucking, fucking watch movie. the film. Yeah. It's on Hulu. It's streaming on Hulu. And uh, second of all, yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, you know, th- she, she pulls him back from the edge and we think that she's trying to save him. And we find out that she's actually there to kill him. She, so my point is, she gives this man, she pulls him back from the edge so that he sees value in his life again so that he doesn't mm-hmm. want to die and he fears death. And then she kills him him herself because that's the way that she can get her revenge back. And so you're asking me, Alex, what could the possibly revenge is yes, English and teacher? Let's profess, Who could it be? Let's uh, preface this a little bit. Let's rewind. Let's go back to the diner. When she's still behind the counter asking, uh, and he's uh, asking for another cup of coffee because his coffee's mm-hmm. cold. Uh, he brings up like some blah, 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 like we're just small people in this naughty world. And then she she brings a lot of attention to that word naughty. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, naughty? What do you mean naughty? As in like I've been a bad girl. Don't do the accent, a, please. A spanking. Just, just say the words. No, now that you said don't do the accent, I'm going to double down and commit to the accent hard. Go ahead. And he's you can see that he's kind of, uh, he's kind of like uncomfortable at the word naughty. And she says like, oh, or do you mean naughty as in uh, cough me to my bedpost and do bad things to me? And you can see that he's getting more and more uncomfortable. And you kind of just think, oh, this is just tasty dialogue. Um, tasty To kind of just. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, tasty yeah. dialogue, for sure. Especially when Margot Robbie is saying it. Yeah. Um, and you kind of just brush that off. You're just like, okay, this is just quick banter between two people so you could get to know them more. Little did we know that these were little... Yeah, when he says, like, you look familiar. Do I know you? And she's like, you would think you would remember me, wouldn't you? Yes. Which, these are breadcrumbs. Here's another thing that I want to talk about down real quick. Yeah. You would think that, wouldn't you? Is mm. one of the most difficult phrases in the court of law or in, like, uh, logical thinking that you could possibly have. Mm. You would think that, wouldn't you? What mm. what is that? Let's break it down. So at first, it's a statement. Yes. You would think that, wouldn't you? It's a let's statement. Say, let's break it down. Let's it's break a it statement. Down. It's actually blanketed by a question, right? It's a statement that's hidden by a question that shows that's actually like turning it onto that person, like turning it around. Balls in so your when, court. So when you say to me, "Oh, I, like, uh, well, I, I, I think I would remember you," and you, well, you wouldn't. You yes. would think that, wouldn't you? To me, it's such a crazy f- sentence because. You would think that is a complete thought. Yes. I'm telling you, you would think that. 
and then I take it away. It's like I'm, I'm showing my strength and then I'm pulling it back by saying, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. I'm now putting it back and I'm now asking you the question. So a lot of times people who are trying to hide from something like, well, you would think that, wouldn't you? You would think that. You would think that. Yeah. You. I don't think that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you remember me. Or do I think, you know what I mean? There's so I many know exactly what you layers. Mean. It's psychological manipulation just by a simple yeah. statement or question, however you want a to look at it. A throwaway line. It's a throwaway line, but almost subconsciously, you don't know that the ball is now in your court. And then to bring it back around, you know, it's almost like she's upset that he doesn't recognize her right off the bat. Of course. Like she was, of course, we find out later that she was planning on him not recognizing her or she was kind of shocked that he didn't recognize her right off the bat. But it's almost like she um, is almost disgusted even more in him by the fact that he doesn't even remember her anymore. We still haven't even told the listeners once again, spoiler alert. Who Simon Pegg is even to Margot Robbie. So we find out that Simon Pegg is actually her English teacher from when she was a little girl at an orphanage. Yes. And it gets worse. He, like, molashed at her. Yes. And um, and there's like a little um, a little cut to back to the times when she was in the orphanage. And he, as an English teacher, seemed very strict and was well, always using the words when, when naughty. He's, and he's talking to her. He's like, something happened to you in the past. He's like, did an event happen to you? He's like, was it your father? What was it? Like, what, what caused this trauma? And you see a flashback of her in this, like, orphanage. And, and But when you when you come back to that flashback, yes. you see him in that, in that flashback. And yeah. uh, she had been had this pent-up revenge plot to get back at this teacher who who molested, molested her. her. And um, so she concocts this crazy plan to, to which I think is so incre- incredibly and smart. And it was brilliantly orchestrated. To make him, to find a man who has no more faith in humanity or even in his own life, to then reinstill it back in yes. him just to take it away. Exactly. I think that is the brilliant part of her plan. Is How can you torture someone who's already nearing their death? This is a, this is three movies intertwined together. That alone could have been one movie. The Simon, the Simon yes. Pegg, Margot Robbie movie would have been a great thriller, period, cut and dry. Yeah. The second thriller that's also really good is the story of the two hitman and Margot Robbie. That's right, baddies. There uh, is way more to this film. The funny line like the, a lot of the comedy of this film comes from these two guys' interactions, and I really do like their connection with each other. Yeah, um, they have a, an interesting dichotomy with each other. Yeah, it's an apprentice and a mentor kind of sort of deal. Yeah, uh, but yet very not a lot of trust, and and the mentor thinks the apprentice is an idiot and a womanizer, and mm-hmm. you know, of course, that leads to a bunch of different stuff. But uh, let me, I have a couple notes here of parts that I really enjoyed between the two of them. One of the things that I really liked was how. The way that they, well, well, we we find them living in this apartment. Yeah, that is garbage, and we find out that they that they've been stuck in this apartment for know, a while. For a while, and in a flashback, we learn that they're getting instructions from this black briefcase. And as soon as they get the black briefcase, they're already like, "Oh, this is Mr. Franklin. We've actually we've done it right. We finally hit the big times. Mr. Franklin is giving us jobs." Yeah, yeah. and they're going back and forth with this suitcase, and uh, and they're getting information. And they're being told to meet here, very spy esque, you know, yeah, Cold War yeah. sort of Mr. thing. Uh, and to give a Plug little more dagger. exposition, Mr. Franklin is known for uh, the old school art of mystery, uh, leaving yes. behind uh, clues and having to figure out the the mission for yourself rather than just having a, a note saying this is what you have to do. No, Mr. Franklin is very old school. And so it's a big deal to get a job from Mr. Franklin yeah, because Mr. Franklin is the big bucks. It means you've made it, yes. essentially. Uh, we find out that the mentor is actually being set up to double cross his apprentice. Yes. Who has created this like relationship with Margot Robbie from almost the second that they meet. So yeah. they meet the two guys, Alejandro, uh, Alfred, Alejandro, Alejandro and Alejandro Christian. And Christian. <laughs> Alfred and Vincent are yes. meeting in this diner. And guess who's the waitress at the diner? Margot Robbie. And she's, they have this like mean back and forth, her and the mentor, very rough relationship. But her and the apprentice, very Almost from the get, yeah, you can see that there's a, a physical attraction. She is calling him handsome, uh, saying that she will give him her buttered buns. Um, yeah, she needs him to butter her buns or something like that, uh, which was a gross way to phrase it. But um, no, nah, not coming from Margot Robbie. I'll, I'll let her butter any buns, and I'll eat those buns. But continue as you go before we derail. That's fine. Um, they get a clue to go to the strip club, and they go to the strip club. They're supposed to meet with a woman named Rabbit. Guess yeah. who's Rabbit? Margot Robbie. And they're like, wait, what the fuck? They're like, this is Bottle Blonde. They keep calling her Bottle Blonde. Which B- is... Bottle Blonde. I've never heard of that yeah. phrase before. Well, 
a, like a woman who's shaped like a bottle. Oh, okay. You know? I've really never heard that oh, before. I mean, I got it. I, I figured it I'm out. I'm going to start saying that. that. Maybe not. That yeah, seems a bit not. trashy. Okay. Um, so, so Mentor calls her bottle blonde. Bottle blonde. Bottle blonde. Uh, so fun to say. And then and Chico. I, I essentially thought Max Irons, Jamie Irons' son, is playing Chico from Scarface. Essentially. You know what I mean? Essentially. And, uh, but... Because everyone loves him, and like Margot Robbie is like kissing him and all this stuff, and like even they're seen in the elevator down after yes. Margot Robbie kisses him, he's like, "Wow, wow. like he is smitten. infatuated, he's smitten." Yes, and so that starts a whole tension in their own. At one point, mentor goes to meet with Franklin. Yeah, supposedly he's meeting with him one on one. Yeah, at the same time, uh, I wanted to call him Chico. <laughs> Alfred <laughs> is meeting with Margot Robbie at the diner, and Margot Robbie's telling her, "You need to listen. I have news for you. You need to hear this. You need to, you, you need, need to, to listen, listen to me." Or you're going to get shot in the head. And you're going to have an exit wound in your head. And and what I need you to listen to is this phone call. She recorded the phone call between Mr. Franklin and the mentor. In yes. which Mr. Franklin sets up a proposition to Franklin. Yes. I'm sorry, excuse me, to Vincent. Where yes. did Franklin go? Oh, Mr. To Franklin. To Vincent, yes. To Vincent that uh, once he does the kill to turn and kill on his partner, he gets double the money and he doesn't have to split it. He does not have to cut it. Yeah, he gets it all to himself. And you hear uh, Vincent barely even hesitate he's like consider it done at first he's like well why do you want me to do it and he goes because i want somebody who can buy or uh, I, I want wanna, somebody who can buy um i could buy i want someone whose loyalty i can buy thank you yes. thank you i'm struggling with these no it's all good dude this is such a crazy and film. that line comes up a couple of times i want loyalty that i can buy that seems to be something that mr franklin's all about yeah it's a through line mantra that uh is emphasized throughout this entire film so because margot robbie saved chico's life Chico and her decide that they're going to start their own partnership and that they're going to yeah. double cross the double crosser, kill him, and then they're going to be in charge yes. and they're going to take the money and they're going to be Mr. Franklin's Perfect. new guy. And um, let's let's jump to the two weeks that they spend in that apartment alone, Alfred and Vincent, where they are resenting each other because Alfred already knows that. Well, and we know how quarantine goes because we've been stuck in houses for about two weeks. Fuck yeah. So we get it how they're going crazy. They- so imagine being stuck in an apartment with someone who you thought had your back but is only plotting Just waiting to, kill to kill you. Kill you. Yeah. yeah. Who knows when he's going to do it, dude. but he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. My favorite scene that they have is when he's like, well, why don't you do another puzzle? And it cuts to the mentor doing a puzzle. And he's like, fuck the puzzle. And he's oh, like, it's like, so comedic. Well, why don't you do a crossword puzzle? And then it cuts to him. He's like, fuck the fuck crossword, crossword puzzle. puzzle. Staring at him. Have like, a monopoly. Well, no, how about chess? And it's him oh. knocking the chess board over. He's like, fuck chess. I love This movie had some legitimate, really funny jokes. Yeah. Like the dark humor in this film beautiful well i mean especially with how slow burn how slow burning this film is it made those comedic moments pop agreed because it it felt almost out of place but it i welcomed it with open laughing arms arms. for sure um so eventually uh, it comes to the climax of that storyline where uh where where they get the call from mr franklin and it's time to do the murder yes and they Open the window. They grab the rifle. Mentor is hanging out the rifle, ready to take the shot when the person gets in view. And uh, that person is Margot, Margot Robbie. Robbie. And he's like, "What the fuck?" At the same time, Chico's on the phone with Margot Robbie. He has a gun to Mentor's head, yes. and the Mentor's like, "What the fuck?" And so they sit him down. Margot Robbie comes over to the house, and they're like, "Well, we're gonna kill you, and we're gonna take, we're gonna tell you, we're double crossing you." It's it's the because bad guy we speech. know, yeah, because uh, they reveal to uh, Vincent, the Mentor, that oh, we know. You were trying to you were trying to yep. double cross us, and so, so we're gonna kill you first, and this is what we're gonna do. Bang, bang, bang! They bang, kill bang, the mentor. Bang, bang. Yes. Um, then the Chico yes. says, "I'm gonna take a shower. I'll meet you downstairs." She leaves. He takes a shower. He guts out. As he's leaving, how have we not brought up Mike Myers yet? Oh, because I'm saving that for the end, boy. Well, Mike Myers is, shows up, and uh, he's like, "I'm here to clean up," because he's a like he's a trash a, man. He's the night supervisor. He makes it a point to not be called the, the trash janitor at this terminal. He is the night supervisor that looks out over this terminal when, you know, when everyone's when gone. When it's nighttime. Yeah. And Mike Myers, you know, this you you mentioned to me before that this is only his second film ever yep. since uh what was his second film ever. Ever. No, this is the only time we've seen him. Since Inglorious Bastards. Since Inglorious Bastards in 2009, I believe. Yeah, and uh so 9 years later he's barely done any other films. I'm, I'm over 10 years. Yeah, dude, a, a long 11. time. Um and Mike Myers is doing a phenomenal job. He, yeah. he he's a character actor and he is playing up uh he's acting he, up a he's storm. He's playing this night manager who we meet in the very beginning. Uh and it's kind of this 
He's peculiar. He's kind of this like lost old man, crazy kind of figure who keeps turning up because it takes place in the terminal and everyone has to deal with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this world, this night supervisor is not threatening, but us as viewers, we know that there's, there's like something a secret. weird about him. Uh, so he shows up. And he's like, I'm here to clean up. And the guy's like, oh, OK. And so he's here to take the body away and whatever. And so he goes downstairs. And guess what? Margot Robbie double crosses homeboy. Yep. She kills him. She was actually, which we knew in the beginning, she was talking to Mr. Franklin. These were the two guys she was yeah. going to set up to have them kill each we, other. We always knew in the back of our minds that she was just... She was faking it. She was just pulling strings and trying to orchestrate a brilliant uh, fucking uh, so let's plot to kill little, everyone here. So, so then... She's standing over the body and she's explaining to somebody. She's like, man, you know, I didn't think it was going to be this easy. Who would have thought that it was pretty much this was going to be this easy for us? And then she turns around and guess who's there? Who's her partner? Mike Myers. That's right. Mike Myers is like, well, I got the body in this cart here. She's, what are we going to do with this body here? And she's like, well, I'm going to cut off their trigger fingers and I'm going to take their ID papers. Yep. And that's proof that she killed these people. And then like, well, what are we going to do with the bodies? Guess and what so they do? Dump they them dump down the a hole. bodies down this hole where Simon Pegg's body. Was also dumped. Yep. Uh, it's a huge shaft that you know they explain quite a bit about yeah. in the film but so then the job's over and she says uh and she kind of like tells the night manager and your supervisor and she's like okay like and now i'm gonna go and night mm-hmm. supervisor walks away and the camera is following the night supervisor down this hall yeah and, and he parks he goes into this janitor closet. and you can kind of feel that we're about to that something's gonna be unveiled kind of like unusual suspects when you see kevin spacey walking away spoilers yes. on that one in case you ever he ends up being kaigo um Kai, Kylo Sozan? Kylo Ren, yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> um, that kind of idea. And sure enough, he stops limping. He gets to this big computer screen because all throughout the movie, we're watching... Mr. Franklin is watching at everything. This. He's watching a bunch of different TVs. And so one of the reveals is that Mr. Franklin is the janitor, is yep. the night supervisor. You see Mike Myers removing all he's the prosthetic He's taking off his makeup. Nose. He's standing up straight. He's He cleans off his hair. He puts on the suit that Mr. Franklin's wearing. Yes. And then... Right when we think that that is the twist that ends the movie, that Mr. Franklin was actually pulling the strings the whole Which time. already is a big is a twist, because I would not have suspected that I at all. I kind of saw it coming. I kind of had did? an idea that Mike Myers was was more to it than we know, because yeah. he always showed up at the important times. Yeah, but I wouldn't go so far as to think that he was Mr. Franklin. I did. I thought but that. But that's not, that's not the point. But that's not, hang that's on. That's not the twist. That's neither here nor there. Someone just said bingo. Um, <laughs> but he, what happens is he gets a call. Yes. And the person on the other line of that call is... Margot Robbie. And she's telling him... The job's done. I've, I've, I've killed both of them. But they've Meaning all, but, the two hitmen. But he knows that already. Yes. Oh, no, because that's Margot, right. Margot, so Margot Robbie. Robbie calls Frank, Mr. Franklin as if to say the job is done. Yes. As if she doesn't know already that, that Mr. Franklin is... But is then Mike she, Myers. Goes, she does know. And because he, he gets all dressed and he's leaving to go to the 404 train. And as he's leaving to go to the 404 train, there's this uh, song that keeps getting whistled throughout the entire movie, Danny which Boy. is a heavy clue. And yeah, he's yeah. whistling Danny Boy. The the night supervisor whistles Danny Boy. Uh, he's whistling Danny Boy. It's a very... it's a well, it's an Irish folk song. Everyone knows Danny yeah, Boy. Yeah. Um, they sing it in Goodfellas. They sing it in... And it Boardwalk adds a Empire. sense of eeriness to this already gritty film. Yeah. Uh, you know where that idea of whistling serial killer comes from? Where? So, sidebar. Joseph Mengele was a gentleman who was hired by the Nazi party to create pretty much how to kill the Jews in the encampments in the, during the Holocaust. He mm-hmm. was the angel of death is what they called him. And as he would go from death camp to death camp walking around checking on the dead bodies, he would whistle. He would whistle like Vivaldi and he would whistle these great, huge, uh, famous works of art. And that was that became his thing is that he would whistle in the death camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that slowly became this huge thing with like murderers yeah. whistling. But that stems from this one guy from World War II. And that's absolutely horrific. That's giving me goosebumps right now. It's I mean, terrifying. And I can and imagine. And he got away. He didn't even get killed at the end wow, of the war. Wow, that's he, even fucking scary. He scarier. escaped to Argentina and, was, and lived the rest yeah. of his life in South America. I could imagine a lot of uh, creators adopting that for villains. Actually not. He did actually get caught and was actually sent to the Nuremberg Trials. That's how people found out about him. Good. Yeah, I'm so glad he, he got dead. caught. Fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck Nazis. But also, thank you for giving us that chilly, that chilling traits for villains. I guess. Because it's I ironic. Guess. It's very ironic. Dude. I don't want to thank him for anything. No, but, yeah. Um, no, fuck Nazis. Um, uh, wow, I can really hear the rain. Anyways, um, so yeah, he's whistling, and they and also in the camera cuts, and guess who's right behind him? Mm-hmm. Margot Robbie. Yes. Oh, the camera doesn't cut. He's walking in his dark tunnel, and, and it, the light flickers, flickering lights, and it reveals this the red jacket. red jacket that she's been wearing the whole time. Yes. Uh, and she goes, "You know what? Two things no one ever plans for." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "What?" 
twins. Guys, guess what? This movie has another twist. Margot Robbie has a twin sister. And I, I kind of thought that for a while. Really? I, yeah. Because when Simon Pegg's in the diner and he looks at, he sees her in the red coat standing by a light post at one point. Really? Yes. And he looks back at her and Margot Robbie's in the diner getting, getting the milk and tea. Yeah. That's how I was like, oh, I bet you it's a sister thing. When she was talking to the night supervisor after she kills Chico, I thought the reveal was going to be then. Mm-hmm. So then when that wasn't the reveal, I was like, oh, it's not a twins thing. And then it was a twins thing. And you were like, fuck yeah. Oh, man. So that could be the end of the movie. Guess what? Not, not the yet. end of the movie again. No, no, no. So now it cuts to this white room. Ends up being Mr. Franklin's like control room that they've taken him to. Where all of his TVs are. And they start telling Mr. Franklin this story. Or should they call him Clinton? Yeah. And, and like- they start telling Clinton the story about how their mother met a man. Yes. Named Clinton Sharp. And there's only one thing we know about Margot Robbie's mother right now. She died in a fire. Yeah, because she was telling Simon Pegg that. Yeah, and so she's telling this story about how her mother worked, or how her mother met this man, Clinton Sharp. Sharp? Uh, I want to say Sharp. And they had a little fun action. Um, yes. And then she learned a dark secret about him and hid, her child, hid the children that she was pregnant with from him. She worked... Three jobs, two jobs, danced at night, waited in the morning, tried to yeah. give these girls the I best like the job way they, they said that. They said she waited tables during the day and danced on them during the night. That was a really clever line. Beautiful. Yeah. I love the. I love how this movie was written. Uh, yeah, very but, clever. Mm-hmm. And so they tell the story about how then she sees Clinton Sharp murder and do a couple bad things. The bad things to break that down. She sees Clinton Sharp behind a man who he orders to kill a dude. Yep. Right when that guy kills the dude, Clinton Sharp kills, kills the that man. guy. So it's like he's just that kind of double crosser. It's very revealing of uh very telling of what and kind of man that is. And he sees her. Yes. And so he's chasing her and she's running away. She runs home to the children and she's trying to hide and he follows her as he's whistling Danny boy. Oh. He's pouring gasoline into their mail slot and throws his lighter in there. House catches a blaze. Mm-hmm. How evil able to, is that? Oh, it's terrifying. It is terrifying. The mom is able to break a window and get the kids out, but she herself isn't able to save herself. She burns in the fire. And that's how we. That's the story again, lining up with the flashbacks from earlier of how the mom died in the yes. fire. But and guess, then later on, it but, shows us at that terminal. Oh, did you have something else to say? I was say yeah, because Clinton Sharp is Mr. Franklin, thus meaning Mr. Franklin is Margot Robbie's Dad. That's right. Mike Another Myers twist. is the dude. Let's okay. Let's just lay out the twists real quick. So twist number one: Simon Pegg is a pedophile who raped Margot Robbie as a kid, and then she kills him. Boom. Twist number two: Margot Robbie. No, which e- one? Is, oh, Mr. Franklin. Not not even. What? What's the other one? Chico knows about fucking uh, homeboy's gonna kill him. Yeah. So that's a so that the twist is when they turn when that turns around and that's able to work out for it. Then the twist is that Margot Robbie kills Chico. Yep. Then the twist is that her partner is Mike Myers. Uh huh. Then the twist is Mike Myers is Mr. Mr. Franklin. Franklin. Then the twist twist is Margot Robbie Robbie is twins. twins. Then the the twist twist is Mike Myers is their dad. dad. Yeah. Then the twist is Margot Robbie concocted this entire plan from second one of this movie. It's she. Oh my gosh! I guess what an amazing mastermind Margot Robbie is, and I think you you mentioned to me prior to this, it did kind of annoy you that Margot Robbie was bouncing between an Australian accent (laughs) and a British accent. Yeah, if she had to say a line that was longer than one sentence, she dropped into Australian. Ah, dude, I was fine with it though. I still think she did a fantastic job. She did a good job. She did a great job. Uh, Great actress. Um, but yeah, this movie is full of twists. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet and you've listened up this far, we, we warned you. Yeah. You should have paused. Still watch it, though. Still watch it because it is beautifully shot. The colors are popping yeah. in this. Yeah. It, it's it's uh, a very unique. It gave me very much like a Sin City vibes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Frank Miller-esque vibes. Agreed. Agreed. Not quite on par as a Frank Miller Sin City, but very close. Very close. If there was anything I had to compare Maybe it to. Maybe Sin City too. Probably, probably <laughs> the Sin City Two. Fun fact: had the guy from Allstate in it, right? Yeah, like the and uh, JGL, uh, bootleg Denzel and JGL. That's right. I think he's bootleg Morgan Freeman. You think so? Maybe a mixture of both. If Morgan Freeman and Denzel. Fun fact: that Allstate guy went to the acting college that I wanted to go to. Uh, Ada. The, yeah, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. That he's an alum. Damn, dude! If we had gone to that right after high school, we'd though. be doing Allstate commercials. Christian uh, Baltazar. That's me. You have a best person on Ted Ward? I'm going to give it to the cinematographer, dude. I have to give it to the cinematographer. 
Um, I don't know his name because okay. I didn't look it up. Well, you but should look it up I so knew... we can give him the proper credit. Yeah, let's give him the proper credit. Do you? While I look it up, do you want to talk about my best person on set award? Sure. My best person on set award is Margot Robbie, and I know we generally don't like to give it to the lead actress, but at giving it to her because she is the producer, and in fact, she was the one I think who bought the rights to this story, and then found the director, and then found the company to produce it, and then uh, all the other actors signed on later. So this movie would not have been made without Margot Robbie. One other point that I want to make real quick is that I think this is a really good Harley Quinn movie. I think if this movie had been the standalone Harley Quinn film instead of Birds of Prey, and this was essentially the same storyline where it was just Harley Quinn playing these three different kooky characters, yeah. it would have been really, really good. It would have put that movie on par with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker because it yeah. would have been such a crazy, gritty, dark twist and a very deep dive into the 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 method of her madness yeah. that we could see so much like in my mind they could change it so that maybe mr franklin knows where the joker is or whatever you know it takes a little bit of tweaking of the storyline but i i really thoroughly believe that this film could have been a really cool harley quinn film i full-heartedly agree with that i full-heartedly agree with that because birds of prey sadly i was let down not the worst film i'd seen but for how much it was played up yeah could have been better um Thank you for uh, filibustering for me for a little bit. I want to give my best person on set award to the cinematographer of this film, Christopher Ross. I think he did a fantastic job with taking this movie that not only had a great uh, storyline and premise full of mm-hmm. twists and turns, but he made the movie pop. Yeah, the, I think the we should give the editor a special shout out too because the way that this movie is stitched together is a... Ooh, yes. is a fast-paced, very interesting way to tell a story. It is a work of art. I do it's not... It's not quite memento. I'm sorry. It's not quite memento. It's not quite inception. It's its own kind of way of telling a story. Yeah, it's unique. It is a film that I'm going to remember. Definitely. And to, recommend. Yeah, and recommend. Because some with a premise like this, um, I guess if you had shot it wrong, easily could have forgotten it. We forgot one twist. What twist? The lumbotomy. Oh, the lobotomy. Yes, the lobotomy was what did I say? lumbotomy. I think that's a dance somewhere, but it's okay. No, lombotomy. Lombotomy. You want to look it up real quick? Say? Lobotomy. Let's look it up. I looked it up earlier. A lobotomy. Uh, I don't want to look it Dude, up. Dude, it's lobotomy. <laughs> Damn it! Which is if for you listeners out there, ooh. It is you, when you take a giant needle. Yes. And stick it in your brain, so you're not crazy anymore. Pretty much. And if you want to know a little more detailed, uh, a detailed definition of that, it is a neurosurgical, a, a psycho. Fuck, dude. I just had I just looked at the definition. Anyway, it was a, a popular form of surgery back in the 1940s and 50s. That yeah, was actually they did it quite a bit. Dude, it was prominent for almost two decades. Yeah, they had done it to almost 20,000 patients in the U.S. alone, but it was more prominent in the U.K. And mostly women. And mostly women. And it, A lot of women got lobotomized. To dive deeper into it, it was they thought it could cure uh, certain mental illnesses. Uh, Pretty depression. much if you were a horny woman, they'd give you a lobotomy so that you stop getting so much sex. Lobotomy. That's what I said. You put an M in there. That's yeah, at the end. You're just committing to the at lobotomy. The it, it ends with an M. Why? Um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Lobotomy. Um, but it was crazy. So they they puncture his prefrontal cortex. That's it's very happens. graphic, guys. I don't know if you've ever seen a lumbotomy, mm-hmm. but this movie will show you exactly how it's done. <laughs> uh, not exactly how it's done because I hope that's not accurate. Well, yeah, they use a little hammer like that. And they, yeah, that's how it's. Uh, don't try to punch. Home. Huh? You ever seen Sucker Punch? No, but you did recommend that. We to should me. watch that movie, Jacob's Ladder Scenario. Spoilers on that one, since uh, who knows what'll happen. Thanks, dude. We might it, it might be all done after. I really Lombardi. wanted to watch that. <laughs> oh, it's fine. The movie's still very entertaining. Actually, you have seen part of it. Weird tangent. Do you remember when we went to Disneyland after high school? Yeah. And we were in the hotel room, the Motel Six, before we left, and I was watching this crazy movie where they're like killing demons. Uh, like these girls with ninja was that swords. It? That was Sucker Punch, bro. That was it? Yeah. Really? And I remember watching that, only catching like five minutes of it and being like, I gotta watch the rest of this movie. Isn't Sucker Punch <laughs> essentially the same thing as Assassination Nation? Just four girls being badass? No, Assassination Nation is way better. Oh, is it really good? Sucker Punch because is so bad. That's also on Hulu. <laughs> so bad. I'll have um, to check it out. Any last thoughts? Dude, Um, let me take a look here. Uh, no, I think, I think we tackled everything that I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. Twins guys. <laughs> Probably that was the craziest twist for me. My second favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie and my favorite twist of this movie. Yes. Uh, who would complain about two Margot Robbies? Mike Myers in this movie. Yeah. That's Thank it. You. That's Thank it. you. Especially being their dad. <sighs> yeah. That was a really, I had to re- break down that line. There's two things in life. Nobody ever prepares for 
mm. twins. I had to break that down quite a bit because yes. at first I didn't get it. Yeah, Mike Myers has. Before we do go, I do want to say one last line that Mike Myers does say. It's um, when you still think he's just the night supervisor and he sees Vincent, one of the hitmen, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. mentor, pull a black briefcase Out from of the, the terminal yeah. locker. Um, Mike Myers, uh, he, he's pinned up against the lockers by Vincent. And Vincent's like, don't you tell anyone. Because, be- well, because as a night supervisor, he says, I have to report any suspicious activity. Yeah, it's just his, the guy, and, yeah, because so Vincent, Vincent was like, a, do your fucking job. Yeah. Well, that is my yeah, job. Yeah, so Vincent pulls a knife on him and is threatening him. And what's the line he says? Uh, the line he says is, well, when rich villains have need of poor ones, poor ones make what price they will. And do you remember what Vincent's response is to that? Oh, he says, well, you know what <laughs> rich villains do to poor villains they no longer need. Mm-hmm. They make their rounds around houses, burn Burning their houses, mm-hmm. kill their families, kill their loved ones. Which is what? Clinton did to Margot Robbie's house. Dude did not even realize. I thought you. I thought you were saying that because you knew where it was going. That's why I was leading you into it, bro. No, did I just blow your mind? I didn't even think about that, dude. dude. He straight up tells him, and he's telling the guy who's done that murder. He's selling it to him. Wow, wow, beautiful baddies, beautiful beautiful movie. movie. Deserves way more credit. This is why we do the podcast. This is why we do the podcast. We want to show you baddies, all of you listeners out there, that there are movies out there that are unsung heroes. Unsung heroes. So get off your ass. Stay at home because you should. Yeah, maybe get back on. Get back on your ass. Get back on your ass. Boot up that Hulu. Boot up that Netflix. Boot up HBO Go. Amazon Prime. YouTube. Voodoo. Anything that you can watch movies on legally. Legally, we do not support pirates. pirates. Well, we do old support, school yeah, pirates. Some pirates are cool. Johnny Depp pirates. Actually, what? Again, I don't care. It's my show. Fuck you. It's my show. The pirates in like Somalia and stuff like that. Yeah. What about them? Do you know why those exist? No. Why? Because countries like England and France and the USA went in and took the the natural resources of these countries and limited it so much that these people needed a way for them to not just fight back, but a way for them to protect their own economy and their goods. So these pirates in Africa have actually created an entire economy through bases of trading goods, protecting themselves from outside influence and other countries coming in and trying to tell them how to do these things. So in all honesty, despite how much murdering and rape and pillaging that these pirates do, which generally comes with the grounds of pirates. Uh, yeah. The pirates in Africa are because of first world involvement. Well, there you go. Baddies, you heard it for yourselves. A little history lesson, as usual, from Alejandro Middleton. Facts. Guys, Real um, facts. really, though, um, check out this film. Um, it, it, I was very passionate during this movie. Um, You're always passionate. I hear you are the most passionate. Hell yeah, especially when Margot Robbie says naughty. Melissa says she's only had one lover in life and that you are the most passionate lover she's ever experienced. I mean, when I can only be the most passionate lover when I'm the only lover. Hey, you know what? I'd say take the compliment. I wouldn't look too far into it. Hey, boys and girls, you guys. I don't know. Why I said I. <laughs> uh, what do you uh, What are you calling on the boys and girls for, Christian? Hey, boys and girls, y'all can call me Christian Lover Boy Baltazar, and you guys can call me Alejandro Lover Man Middleton. Actually, I don't. I don't like it. You sound like a terrible superhero. <laughs> say bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. Lover Man. Yeah.